to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I have an absolute ton to get to here. I want to start off with a psychological phenomenon that is remarkably common and, frankly, a double-edged sword, and it's something that is easily used against numerous sides, regardless of a person's political persuasion or, or even what they believe. It's something, again, that can just be blamed on why people believe what they believe. And I'll get to that in just a second. And of course, I also have a piece of audio that kind of goes along with that, that I can tie in rather easily, I think. Uh, I want to discuss some of the Project Veritas stuff that's rather recent here. I have a bunch of listener emails with some updates on particular things that are happening and particular things, again, that are jab-related. Um, I also have an education story here from Oregon, which is remarkably disturbing and continues to define the absolute collapse of K-12 education and its purposeful collapse, which I think is something that a lot of people are having a hard time wrapping their arms around, that there are those within the collapse movement, so to speak, that are purposefully destroying K-12 education because, of course, if you dumb down a society, it becomes remarkably easy to take them over. And that's happening. Uh, and then I want to end with a history lesson. So first, I want to get into something that is referred to as the illusory effect, or illusory truth effect, rather. And it's a psychological phenomenon, again, that has to do with repetition. And if an individual hears the same things over and over again, or they see the same things over and over again, in particular if they are presented to a person via media or a screen or the radio, then they're likely to believe it because it doesn't require much thinking on their part in order to believe it. They just believe it. So here's basically the definition with a little bit of background. Again, this comes from Wikipedia, but you can look this up anywhere you'd like because it's all generally exactly the same. It's, it says uh, right here, quote, The illusory truth effect, also known as the illusion of truth effect, validity effect, truth effect, or the reiteration effect, is the tendency to believe false information to be correct after repeated exposure. This phenomenon was first identified in, in a 1977 study at Villanova University and Temple University. When truth is assessed, people rely on whether the information is in line with their understanding or if it feels familiar. The first condition is logical, as people compare new information with what they already know to be true. Repetition makes statements easier to process relative to new, unrepeated statements leading people to believe that the repeated conclusion is more truthful. The illusory truth effect has also been linked to hindsight bias, in which the recollection of confidence is skewed after the truth has been received. In a 2015 study, researchers discovered that familiarity can overpower rationality, and that repetitively refuting that a certain statement is wrong can paradoxically affect the hearer's beliefs. Researchers attributed the illusory truth effect's impact on participants who knew the correct answer to begin with, but were persuaded to believe otherwise 
through the repetition of a falsehood to processing fluency, quote-unquote. The illusory truth effect plays a significant role in such fields as election campaigns, advertising, news media, and political propaganda, unquote. Here's why I bring this up. As I said earlier, this is a double-edged sword. You can see how the left would use such a definition and such a phenomenon, which again is real, but they would use it against us. Anybody who is a free thinker, anybody who researches topics and ultimately arrives at a logical conclusion, that of course takes work. It's not spoon-fed to people, and it's harder than just being told something and then you just blindly believe it. You could almost, I mean, you can pick any subject you'd like, and you can see how the left would say, well, whatever, you just believe that because you've heard it so often, or so many people believe this, so you just blindly go along with it because of either some other association or multiple associations that they have with either the people or the subject matter. The same is true with us. Again, any free thinker can look at individuals who aren't free thinkers. And we can decide, I think rather rationally, but again, people would disagree with us, but whatever, that the left tends to go along with the mainstream narrative because we can see them and the way that they behave and the way that they act and the way that they treat other people. And again, a lot of the crimes that are committed and so on and so forth. And we would say, well, they're guilty of being victims of the illusory truth effect. They too believe mainstream narratives that are spoon-fed to them, and then they act accordingly. They just go along with it and live their lives regarding what it is that they're being told with repetition. Again, the shots themselves are a perfect example of this. And then, of course, you have those on the other side, like us, hopefully, who are unjabbed and did our homework. And we did our homework well in advance. We didn't wait for this to happen as, a, as an event on society and then say, well, how do we operate? Let's look into it. There were people that did that, and that's great. But there was also a segment of the population who knew through, again, reading and maybe even writing and discussion and investigation and arriving at logical conclusions that depopulation is a satanic agenda that a lot of bad people have and have had for centuries, since the beginning of time, since the beginning of life. So that's not a new thing. And it seems like a new thing to a lot of people, which again, for those individuals, it could be too late because maybe they're already jabbed. Maybe they still believe the mainstream narrative. Again, the number of people that I'm hearing about, and you'll hear about this in some of these uh, emails from listeners, is that there are individuals bragging about having three shots, four shots, and now five shots. These individuals, again, are operating inside of a echo chamber where they either believe that what they're doing, and they must believe it, is false as it is that that is a positive thing. Whereas we look at them and we say to ourselves, no, the exact opposite is true, but it's impossible 
or next to impossible for some of them, I should say, to actually believe that they're wrong because they've been spoon-fed all of this information this entire time and they still believe it to this day. You again are seeing this even with individuals that are passing away from these shots and they're not blaming the shots. That's the illusory truth effect also because they can't for the life of them understand that there are people like us out there who know that that's why the death toll is increasing, in particular in foreign countries. I just came across something uh, the other day that said that Portugal is the most quote-unquote vaccinated country in Europe, and their death toll is also the highest. That's not an accidental correlation. That's, That's real. That's a real thing. But there are many other examples beyond the shots, which is why I have a piece of audio that I want to play that I think helps define this. And it actually comes from this group that other people label as conservative Inc. And I tend to be in that particular group of of people who label them as this. These are the standard conservative Inc. people, incorporated, that, uh, that are on YouTube and they finally reached out to BitChute, and now they have BitChute videos, and they're on Rumble, and they have big followings and lots of subscribers. But these individuals all say the exact same things about the same events. It's almost as if they all receive the same memo, and they say, okay, what's our, what's our opinion on this? I mean, think about that. You receive an email from these groups and these these companies like The Blaze, Daily Wire, etc., etc., uh, even louder with Crowder and, and a bunch of these other companies. But And again, I'm not saying that there wasn't a time where they served their purpose. They certainly did. I think when they were a little more edgy many years ago. Uh, but now you can see if, again, you're looking at things objectively and you're taking in a lot of different information – It's easy to see that these people are all saying the same things all of the time, and they're trying to get you to believe what they're saying instead of you doing your own research, so to speak, or looking looking up things and looking into the pasts of not only individuals but events themselves. So I have an audio clip here from Dave Rubin. I'm not a fan of Dave Rubin, never really have been. I heard a criticism of him many years ago, and I smiled the second that I heard it, and I thought to myself, that, that's accurate. That's accurate. That defines him perfectly. He, too, is much like a lot of podcast hosts. No offense to other podcast hosts that do this, but and there are a lot of them where all they do is have guests on. It's just constant guests. And that's what Dave Rubin has always done. He, he will always have constant guests, and he'll always have people on who are way smarter than he is, typically speaking. And then he offers nothing because he can't offer anything. He has nothing to offer to the discussion. So I would encourage a person to go back and watch an old Dave Rubin Rubin Report, whatever, you know, episode, the Dave Rubin show or or whatever it was from a few years back where he was, you know, sitting in a chair across from a table and and a table was between he and his guest. Dave Rubin offers next to nothing. And that was the criticism from this other individual on social media. They said, there's no better definition of a person 
who offers absolutely nothing to his own show. And I la- and I laughed and I thought, yeah, that's that's accurate. Where does Dave Rubin come from? What are Dave Rubin's credentials? Not that you need them, but again, he's not much of a free thinker because he's always been a part of that Daily Wire crowd, and now apparently he's a part of the Blaze. So he's a part of the Blaze crowd. And, you know, he he does what he does in his personal life. That's his business, but whatever. Um, He makes comments here in this audio clip, which you're going to hear in just a second, about the Queen of England. Everybody in Conservative Inc., for the most part, takes the same stance that Dave Rubin does. It's an inaccurate stance. It's completely false. And you'll know what I'm talking about because I'll come in on the other end of this and and sort of help define it a little bit more. But the people like Michael Knowles have said the exact same thing. Again, I'm not a fan of Michael Knowles either. Michael Knowles is one of those guys, again, who can get on stage. No one knows where he came from. He just kind of showed up. And, uh, and he will destroy liberals at their own game by, again, bringing them facts and talking quickly and doing the things that they all do, again, like Ben Shapiro and everybody else. I'm not saying it doesn't have its place, but moments like this where there's a major event Again, like the Queen of England dying, which again, she's probably been dead for a very long time, and the public just gets told this at a very coordinated time, but they all take the exact same stance. And one, and, and you can even pick up on the word usage that they use that's very similar. Again, someone on Gab put out a, a video of Michael Knowles basically saying the exact same thing that you're going to hear Dave Rubin say. And I just came back with them and I said, Michael Knowles is a part of Conservative Inc. They all got the same memo. And Michael Knowles would do well to look up the real history of the Queen of England. She was a monster. Child trafficking, wars, money laundering, poverty, gun running, satanic worship, you name it. The list is endless when it comes to the crimes that she engaged in. And their entire family, not to mention they're all inbreeders. And they're not even English. They don't even have the right to the throne. But see, that requires work. That requires investigation. That requires independent thought to arrive at those factual answers. But based on the death of the Queen of England, here's Dave Rubin's audio, and here's what Conservative Inc., so to speak, Conservative Incorporated just echoed time and time again across all of their platforms. Here's more from Sonny. Can you put the warning up again? And I should be drinking today. Uh, This woman, she's just extraordinary. So there was a Carnegie Mellon University professor. Her name is Uja Anya. uh, And she, when uh, the Queen of England passed away a couple days ago, uh, she put up a really horrific tweet about it. Uh, And then Carnegie Mellon University put out a statement saying that they don't, you know, that she doesn't represent their views. Now, it's sort of hilarious in a way, as several people pointed out online. It's like, well, you let this woman teach all these young people for years so she can teach all these horrible ideas. But when she tweets out a bad idea, now we better say something about it. Anyway, surprise, surprise, Sonny defended her. 
What did he say? He said she. She, she said uh, a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. It was a thieving, raping, genocidal. Uh, but I think empire. we. But uh, she Twitter, was. Twitter took, her, Twitter took that tweet down because it violated its policies of of wishing pain. Yeah, and- Okay, so first off, she doesn't even know if it's a he or a she. Like, she just doesn't know what she's talking about. She's unprepared, and everyone's the worst of all things. And that she can so glibly, yes, it's just that the British Empire was just thieving and raping and genocidal. And it's like, you know what? There were literally, literally millions of messages sent from some of those places that uh, people would say the UK dominated and destroyed and, you know, all of those things, say India, say parts of Africa, in support of the Queen. It's not to defend the empire and it's not to defend people going outside of their borders and imposing their wills on people and any of those things. This was a woman, this is a woman who lived with really incredible dignity her entire life, who was not supposed to be queen at the age that she became it. I mean, it's an absolutely incredible story, uh, the abdication of the throne and her stepping into these responsibilities. And she lived with grace and decency. And we can all talk about whether a monarchy is worth it or not. And in some ways, I think right now we're seeing proof that monarchies have some value because they last over time instead of just the, the crazed sort of politicking of the day. But okay, putting all of that aside, it's just so incredible that someone like Sonny, yes, yes, she's genocidal, and then the monarchy, and it's all just evil, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot there, so let me do my best to go through it. First of all, Ruben references a Carnegie Mellon University professor who put out a tweet, again, as you heard, that basically criticized the Queen of England. So Ruben's stance is, I'm on the right. This professor is on the left. The professor said this after someone died. It's disrespectful and she's wrong. That's Ruben's take. And then he uses The View, the television show, with, again, stereotypically those morons and that echo chamber itself, and highlights how one of the hosts of The View defends the professor, and then agrees with the professor's statement. But then Ruben makes fun of her because, again, she's on the left as a host of The View. So how on earth could she say that because she clearly doesn't know anything and whatever else, and then resorts to, again, name-calling and this, that, and the other. A blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. And just because someone is on the left doesn't mean that they're wrong about everything. In fact, that's impossible. It's impossible. There have been endless examples. I'm going to even use Stephen Crowder as an example and as a positive example. When Stephen Crowder would do those change my mind videos and those sit downs, typically with college students, we'll say, he's done it with lots of people, but The most hardened leftists could come up to that table, sit down next to them based on the topic that's at hand, and they will agree on something. Lots of subjects to agree on, lots of historic events to agree on, lots to disagree with, but it's, it's all based on what a person actually knows to be factually accurate. And just because two people sit on seemingly opposing sides of a political landscape doesn't mean that they can't agree on things. They can agree on things. But it's people like Dave Rubin 
that are apparently 100% fine not looking into things on their own and going after, again, what I would call low-hanging fruit with a leftist university professor at a leftist university. I know it's redundant, but you get what I'm saying. And then a leftist on a leftist show with The View and one of the hosts of The View. As it turns out, the professor and the view of the host uh, and the host of the view rather are a hundred percent right on the Queen of England. How many details can they bring up? I'm not sure. But how many details can Dave Rubin bring up? You see, this right here is the illusory truth effect in a nutshell. This is it. Dave Rubin believes what he's being told, what he has previously seen. And he's defending it the best that he can. And he's even, again, just sort of passing it all off like it's, well, whatever. If somebody disagrees with me, well, then, you know, whatever, they don't know what they're talking about. That kind of attitude is ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous because he's not bringing in any specifics either. So he's guilty of the same thing he's blaming other people for. That's my point. If you take it a step further, and and just another dimension, Dave Rubin, as I said earlier, has an audience. People listen to him. People listen to these conservative Inc. people and believe everything that they say. When Ben Shapiro speaks, well, you have to believe him because he talks quickly and he knows his numbers and statistics. Dave Rubin, same thing. And look, they're on the same team. So they have to, you know, all agree and we have to agree with them because, well, they said it, and they're quote-unquote conservatives. Glenn Beck, the list is endless. The list is endless. So this is the problem. The problem with, with everything that's happening right now, regardless of the side of, of one's political persuasion, is that the illusory truth effect is always in play, even if you're on the right even if you're in the quote-unquote conservative camp. My suggestion, and it's just a suggestion, would always to be in one camp, and that's your camp. Be in one tent and make that your tent. And then you can start to see things more objectively. And you won't be a blind squirrel who finds an acorn once in a while, and you'll actually untrain your mind into into falling for the illusory truth effect and all that that offers people, which is horrible for the most part. Again, look what's happening with the Q movement and the Q drops and one of the things that's consistently happening here. You have Donald Trump on Truth Social consistently re-truthing, so to speak, um, Q-related drops. And Q messages, where we go all, the storm is coming, etc., etc. And then you have individuals on the other side, so to speak, saying, Q is a psyop. You were brainwashed into believing something would be done and something positive would happen. You fell for it, you morons, XYZ. Keeping in mind, those were the same people who followed the Q drops, read the Q drops, but once they thought Joe Biden is really the president of the United States, legally speaking, well, then Q became the whipping post. The Q drops in the Q movement 
that galvanized hundreds of millions of people all over the world became the pincushion. That's illusory truth effect also. Anybody objective reading those Q drops would understand that it requires individual thought and some individuality. There's nothing in it that says sit on, sit on your ass and do nothing. But the, again, there were people who, who interpreted it that way because they didn't get instant gratification from it because they're guilty of the illusory truth effect. They need that instant gratification to feel good about it without understanding that there's ebbs in flow in war. And that's the way that war works. And maybe, just maybe, we're all not supposed to figure everything out. Maybe there's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes that we're never going to know anything about. And maybe it's supposed to be that way. Doesn't mean that you can't do your own thing. Doesn't mean you can't live your own life. Doesn't mean you can't be happy. Doesn't mean you can't put it all down and, and put down the social media and the technology and everything and walk away from it and then maybe come back later on with new eyes and a fresh mind. But it's the people, again, that are consistently listening to one side or the other all of the time without being in their own camp. They're the real victims because they're being manipulated. And that's not cool. I know that's not psychological saying that's not cool, but whatever, you get my point. I think you get my point. The enemies are on all sides, and the gatekeepers are on all sides. And I hope that after listening to, you know, listening to this show and listening to me, I'm just a guy. I'm just an average guy who, uh, you know, likes to read and likes to think and always sort of detested the mainstream and, and the quote-unquote popular thought and crowd. I never liked it. It always uh, it was always off-putting to me because I just saw people all behaving the same way. And I thought to myself, well, let's look at things objectively as an individual because we're not conjoined twins sharing the same brain. So be in your own camp, I think is the larger, the larger uh, message there. Always be in your own tent and be in your own camp. It's not a bad thing. Now, I'll give you another example, which ties directly to this, and it brings up my very next point here in, in my notes for this show, is that Project Veritas is another example of that. People, again, clamor for Project Veritas videos, and it's one of those things like, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. But at the exact same time, I'm not saying that Project Veritas doesn't serve their purpose. They certainly do. And I understand that they're not trusting. That's great. But you heard me say with these last four videos that have come out with Project Veritas and their school curriculum, you know, shocking videos, how shocking is it really that four leftists would be and behave in leftist ways? How shocking is that? It shouldn't be shocking to anybody. Fish like to swim in water. Cows like to eat grass. I don't, I don't know what else, you know, it's, it's not new. It isn't new. There's more to those videos. And, and here, here's the thing with the last video that, that I saw, and it was James O'Keefe, I believe in Connecticut, talking about how the Connecticut State's Attorney General 
contacted Project Veritas and James O'Keefe and asked him to hand over all of the evidence that they have as Project Veritas regarding that Connecticut administrator and the um, hiring practices that he was engaging in, again, regarding not hiring Christians or Catholics, as it were. Um, I'm not saying you should trust the Connecticut State Attorney General. That's probably one of the more corrupt positions in Connecticut, among countless others. But Project Veritas used this letter as sort of an opportunity to kind of laugh it off and say, well, why would they want that? Can't they just go off of the facts and conduct their own investigation and whatever? Well, the fact is, is that Project Veritas has that evidence. And if, it's, and if you're trusting these people, doesn't it make sense that as an attorney general, you would want that evidence? That you would want Project Veritas to hand over the evidence because it's Project Veritas ultimately that's making the claim, showing the video, where clearly the guy's saying what he's saying. It's within context. He's openly talking about this in an open conversation, which is enough to get anybody in the education profession fired. But if he's doing this, as you heard me say in previous episodes when I broke that video down, that the problem is bigger than just that one guy. You're talking about school principals, superintendents, school boards, etc., etc., in all of the buildings potentially behaving in the exact same way. But as you heard me say in that particular episode, too, that particular assistant principal is going to get thrown under the bus because no one's going to believe him. Or, I mean, no, no one's going to act like, I should say, no one's going to act like that guy is their friend now. They were all friends before, but now that guy is on an island all by himself because when a law gets broken, everybody's going to start saying to themselves, well, I didn't break the law. We didn't break the law here. We don't do that. That was just this one guy. That's impossible. It's impossible. But when the state attorney general wants evidence, yeah, man, hand it over. Just hand it over. You still have the evidence. It's not like you're handing them over one copy of all your stuff. Make copies of your stuff and hand them over what you have so they can conduct an investigation. It may not be ethical. It probably won't be. Because what are they going to do? Tear down the entire school district? If they find that everybody's guilty? Of course not. They're not going to do that. That's where the too-big-to-fail line comes in. But see, that right there is part of the problem in this country is that if an entire school district is found to be guilty of endless crimes or unethical hiring practices that are completely illegal where endless people can sue them into the ground, is that school district going to continue to exist? Of course they will. They'll continue to exist because the default excuse will be, where are those students going to go to school? We can hold some people accountable, but we're not going to tear down the brick walls because, again, where were all those students in that community end up going to school? The students in that community need that school. So I don't get it. Project Veritas just hand it over. Why not? And, and again, if it's an unethical investigation, you'll be able to figure that out. Project Veritas will be able to figure that out very easily. 
And then again, they can make another video and they can criticize the state attorney general's office for not conducting a thorough investigation. And then you've got their back against a wall and you expose them nationally and so on and so forth. So I, I, I don't understand it. It's um, Project Veritas, again, does a very good job of trying to get everybody to see things their way. And it's not always the right way. It's not all. It's not that their way is always the way. Again, I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm diving deep into this, but I'm not saying again that it's not important work that they do. They do very good work, and that's a good thing. And like I said, their videos and that information are for some people who apparently don't know that this goes on in the field of education. But this has always gone on in the field of education. It's not a new thing, and it certainly has ramped up in the last 20 years, 20, 30 years, without a doubt. But that's what Marxism gets you. So there's that. Just wanted to bring up those, those couple of examples. Again, the illusory truth effect is a big deal. And it ensnares a lot of, a lot of good people and mel, you know, well-meaning people. But it does exist, and it exists on all sides. And again, somebody would probably say, well, Sean, you know, you seem to be pretty confident about a particular thing. What makes you right? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not right. Maybe people should just, again, go into the woods on their own, metaphorically speaking, pitch a tent, and then do the thinking on their own for a while, and then arrive at their own conclusions. That's, that's always going to be my suggestion. I think that's healthier, but that's just, that's just my suggestion. So, there's that. Okay, next thing. Listener emails. Actually, no, you know what? I'm going to hold off on that. That'll be next. Let me mention this first, because this is jacked up. Um, this is from the or Oregon Live, the Oregonian, if I'm saying that right. Uh, from just the other day, Governor Kate Brown signed a law to allow Oregon students to graduate without proving they can write or do math. She doesn't want to talk about it, it says. Now, if you recall, I mentioned this, I believe, a while back in a previous episode, but I wanted to go through this specifically because, again, there's a lot of interesting quotes in here and some background that is worth... Uh, worth visiting, not to mention some things that are coming up in the future. So it says the following. It says, for the next five years, an Oregon high school diploma will be no guarantee that the student who earned it can read, write, or do math at a high school level. Governor Kate Brown had demurred earlier this summer regarding whether she supported the plan passed by the legislature to drop the requirement that students demonstrate they have achieved those essential skills. But on July 14th, the governor signed Senate Bill 744 into law. Through a spokesperson, the governor declined again Friday to comment on the law and why she supported suspending the proficiency requirements. Brown's decision was not public until recently because her office did not hold a signing ceremony or issue a press release and the fact that the governor signed the bill was not entered into the legislature, leg, legislative rather, database until July 29th. 
a departure from the normal practice of updating the public database the same day a bill is signed. The Oregonian slash Oregon Live asked the governor's office when Brown's staff notified the legislature that she had signed the bill. Charles Boyle, the governor's deputy communications director, said the governor's staff notified legislative staff the same day the governor signed the bill. Boyle said in an email statement that suspending the reading, writing, and math proficiency requirements while the state develops new graduation standards will benefit Oregon's Black, Latino, Latinx, Latina, Indigenous, Asian, Pacific Islander, tribal, and students of color, quote-unquote. Who were they leaving out? They're basically admitting that white people are smarter. That's their quotation, not mine. That's what they're just that's what they're saying here. They're also telling all of these families and students that you're not as smart as white people, so we're going to dumb this down so that everybody's generally the same, hopefully. It's the most bigoted <laughs> it's the most bigoted thing ever, but it's not new either. This is something that happens constantly, and you've heard me bring it up over the, you know, over the course of this show, that these little inroads get made from time to time, dropping standards so that it's more equitable for everybody. This is, again, this is the kind of thing that opens up so many more doors to our country being taken over on the, on the grand scale of things. I mean, if you want to invade a country... All you have to do is start taking books away from children. That's it. Or you give them books about perverse things, and then they learn about that instead of learning about how a country gets taken over. You dumb them down, and then they can easily be controlled. This is not a new tactic. It's a Marxist, Bolshevik, satanic approach to things. It continues here. It says, quote, leaders from those communities have advocated time and again for equitable graduation standards, along with expanded learning opportunities and supports, Boyle wrote. Lawmakers and the governor did not pass any major expansion of learning opportunities or supports for black, indigenous, and students of color during this year's legislative session. The requirement that students demonstrate freshman to sophomore level skills in reading, writing, and particularly math-led, math rather, comma, should be a comma, led many high school students to create workshop-style courses to help students strengthen their skills and create evidence of mastery. Most of the courses have been discontinued since the skills requirement was paused during the pandemic before lawmakers killed it entirely. Democrats in the legislature uh, overwhelmingly supported ending the long-time proficiency requirement while Republicans criticized it as a lowering of academic standards. A couple lawmakers crossed party lines on the votes. Proponents said that the state needed to pause Oregon's high school graduation requirements in place since 2009, but already supported during the pandemic until at least the class of 2024 graduates in order for leaders to re-examine its graduation requirements. Recommendations for new standards are due to the legislature and Oregon Board of Education by September of 2022. 
However, since Oregon education officials have long insisted that they would not impose new graduation requirements on students who have already begun high school, new requirements would not take effect until the class of 2027 at the very earliest. That means at least five more classes could be expected to graduate without needing to demonstrate proficiency in math and writing. It's almost over here, I promise. It says, quote, Much of the criticism of the graduation requirements was targeted at standardized tests, yet Oregon, unlike many other states, did not require students to pass a particular standardized test or any test at all. Students could demonstrate their ability to use English and do math via about five different tests or by computing an in-depth, or sorry, completing an in-depth classroom project judged by their own teachers. There you go, the old poster project. Show me everything you know on a poster. Uh, it continues here, and it says a variety of factors appear to have led to the lack of transparency around the governor's bill signing decisions this summer. Staff in the Secretary of State Senate's office are responsible for updating the legislative database when the governor signs a bill, a Senate bill, uh, Secretary of blah, 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 procedure, policy, procedure, policy, procedure, and we're done. Okay, that's that. It, it's uh, it's beyond embarrassing, but people have to understand why this is happening. It's happening because of financial kickbacks, foreign influence, and the purposeful dumbing down of American society. As I said earlier, if you dumb people down and you steal their books away from them and you replace it with filth, what you'll end up with is a society or a population at the very least within those areas and within those schools that are brainwashed to the very core of their being. That's a, that's a very difficult thing to undo. So is Kate Brown receiving financial kickbacks for doing this? Of course. Are other individuals within their state departments of education and the superintendent of their department of education or the superintendent of education within their state and, and other, even other superintendents within districts around the state receiving a financial kickback, it's almost guaranteed. Almost guaranteed. But this is communism too, by definition. We're all going to be the same. Don't worry, we're standing up for you. Again, the problem is, is that many of these individuals don't understand that are going to these schools that not being challenged and then not learning the ultimate truth about a, a variety of subjects. Again, even learning cursive, this is something that keeps coming up. The, the, we mentioned it on the Dangerous Info podcast, the inability for people to read cursive. This is, this is a real thing. It's such a basic skill, and yet it's something that people cannot do. They look at it, again, like it's a foreign language, and then they have to have someone else read it to them. It's sad, but uh, it's a very true thing. Again, it's not new, but this being a state law, that's... Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this continues to roll out among the most left states that exist. I'm certain California has particular things on the books to make, uh, you know, standardized testing more equitable for those that uh, aren't as smart as white people, which is, again, what they're basically saying. Their words, not mine, but that's what they're saying here. So there you go.
Okay. Then there's this. Uh, just a little jab news here. And it's jab-related, and for the people that don't know that, again, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But uh, this is becoming more apparent. I don't care for the Gateway Pundit, uh, but you hear me reference a lot of their articles with regularity because this is one of those subjects that they're all over. They're, they're allowing their readers to think for themselves on this particular issue, whereas other stories they don't. But this is one of them. Uh, it's titled, 17-year-old high school football player dies in his sleep. A senior football player at Rahway High School, if I'm saying that right, died in his sleep on Thursday morning, according to a statement posed to the team's Twitter account. Quote, it is with great sadness and a heavy heart that we are all sharing the unfortunate passing of Rahway senior football player Ali Muhammad, the Rahway football team wrote. Our hearts go out to the family. During this tough time, you will forever be in our thoughts, the post concluded. Uh, 17 years old, found dead on Thursday morning by his father, trying to wake him up for school, according. No information on his death. I'm grieving the passing of my son, etc., etc., this is going to be something, again, no admission of jabs, no public admission of any of that, and that's par for the course, unfortunately, because, again, the parents who come out and start saying this was the shots, as you've heard me say here on this show, that's going to be something that they are going to look for someone to blame. They're just going to look for somebody to blame, and who are they going to blame? One of the entities that they're going to blame are school board members. They're going to go after school board members. You encouraged people to do this. You held vaccination events at your own school. My larger point, too, is that the current phenomenon, and it's not unexplainable, it's very, very simple to understand that the people who took the jabs are falling ill and many are dying. It's in the millions who are dead. Beyond that, I would go even way higher than that because you can't look at the VAERS report and believe a word of it or a single number that's on any of it. You can't. It's incalculable, as I've said. But the larger point is, is that this is going to hit every single school district and every college and university in America because it already has. We're just not hearing about it. Because if every single school district openly starts coming to the realization that they were responsible for the coercion and the implementation of these jabs, it's game over for them from a, from a uh, court of public opinion standpoint, even among the most asleep and the people who don't know what's going on. Even the most asleep are going to wake up to this. It doesn't even have to be their own child. They're just going to wake up to this, and this is going to continue to roll out, and it's going to continue to not be a good thing. So there you go. Okay, here's the next thing. Listener emails. I've got some updates here. little background very quickly from this particular individual just to refresh everyone's memory. 
This is a uh, an individual who works in Alabama, and they have a variety of clients within their line of work. And you'll recall that previously I brought up one of their earlier emails where they mentioned that they had thirty clients, they were all jabbed, and then they were all they were all sick or starting to get sick, and at least two of them had died. So this is a recent email here from that same individual they sent my way, and it says the following. They said they are down to 27 households. They mention the person's name, um, and they state that they had brain surgery earlier, and they just passed away yesterday. It says, quote, after they did brain surgery on him, they said he contracted double pneumonia and that he wasn't getting enough oxygen, so they, yep, the hospital put him on a ventilator, and now he's dead. Before he took the shot, he was a very he was very active for a 70-something-year-old man, always out in his yard doing something every single day. His wife has gone catatonic. She is also, quote-unquote, fully vaccinated. Even with all of this going on, people still don't believe me. Now people are actually getting aggravated that I am wasting my time, quote-unquote, looking into all of this stuff. And then they asked an interesting question. And it had to do with whether or not anyone out there, and this is a question, again, that they're posing to the audience, is whether or not anyone out there is noticing homosexual tendencies from males who have been jabbed. Again, seemingly straight males, all of the sudden, either hitting on people who are of the same sex, and again, maybe they aren't homosexuals, but all of a the sudden they're starting to behave in a way that is out of the ordinary, we'll say. That's, that's interesting, and it's thought-provoking, and uh, who knows, maybe something to keep an eye on. This particular individual mentioned that they started to have a couple of individuals sort of talk to them in a particular way that led him to believe that they were coming on to him. They know he's straight. Uh, apparently these individuals were straight too, but they were jabbed. So again, in, you know, in my mind that ties in, of course, a lot of other things too. We know that alcohol depletes testosterone. We know that bad food depletes testosterone. We know that 5G and high EMF radiation does the exact same things. So, I mean, at this point, why not? (laughs) You know, I mean, honestly, why not at this point? Is it chemical castration to some extent? And is it is it changing? Is it change I mean we know it's changing people's behavior, but is it changing people's behavior from from a sexual standpoint? That's an interesting question and an interesting observation. And I applaud them for uh, for thinking about that certainly and, and bringing that to bear. It it might be something that uh, they're not alone on in that regard. So there you have it. Here's another one. And this is another email from a listener, and uh, they hit me up with this, and it has to do with the Died Suddenly slash Unwanted Effects Facebook page. And apparently you don't need a login or a password or anything to access this page. You can just access it. And there are people that are updating this daily, and it's growing daily. And I will link it in the description below if you're interested in checking it out, but it's awful, as you would expect. 
They then said this, and this again is interesting, and you talk about the illusory truth effect. This ties right in. They said, quote, The ninth grade soccer season just started a few weeks ago. Every weekend, I'm just saying a prayer that I'm not going to witness one of these events with a young kid. I'm standing on the sidelines with parents who are four shots in, and their kids are on the field, and their kids on the field are three shots in. It's madness. And I said again, thanks for the heads up. I appreciate it. They then said, I'm going to send you something from my wife's work that just came in. It's a corporate kill program, unbelievable. And then they sent me some documents that again show consent forms for a lot of uh, basically Moderna and Pfizer. And they are their quote unquote fact sheets along with a flu packet and an image, a poster image that apparently is hanging up where their wife works that says flu shot and COVID-19 booster shot clinic. Uh, At the end of September, located in the HR training room. It's a health and wellness initiative, so they say. We clearly know that that's not the case. Uh, that the clinic is open to employees and their families. All attendees will need to register online in advance. If you'd like to receive just one of the shots, either a flu or a COVID booster, please register for a one-time slot. And if you'd like to receive both shots, a flu shot and a booster, COVID booster, you'll need to register for the two separate time slots, one for each slot. Even if you can't secure two back-to-back appointment times, the registered nurse will administer both shots in the same setting. Well, that's a relief. Oh, my. Let's see. Clinic info. Bring your health insurance. If you're getting a COVID booster, please bring your COVID vaccination card. Please arrive a few minutes early so you can fill out the required forms. And then it says booster info. We are offering both the Moderna and Pfizer bivalent boosters. You can choose your preferred manufacturer. It's up to you when you register for the clinic. Fact sheets for both manufacturers are attached. You're eligible, quote-unquote, to receive the updated booster if it's been at least two months since your most recent booster or two months after completing your initial primary vaccine series. The Moderna booster is available to those ages 18 and up, and the Pfizer booster is available to those ages 12 and up. You'll be asked to sit for 15 minutes after receiving your COVID booster so we can monitor you as you fall out of your chair and hit your head on the floor, and then a custodian will come by and mop up your brains. I added that last part. But sitting in the chair for 15 minutes is their last bullet point. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, illusory truth effect in full force here. Whenever in the history of man has such a, a shot program rolled out for nothing, for absolutely nothing, when has this ever happened? But people... 
have been sucked into this vortex, in particular, illusory truth effect with the word usage of booster. I mean, you gotta hand it to the enemy, do you not? The word booster is so well done and well applied that it does imply and always has implied that you're giving yourself, you know, like like you're playing Contra on, on Nintendo. You're just eating the hearts and then your life force is going up like in Zelda and all this other stuff. It's a booster. Boost your health. Anybody out there ever play Punisher the arcade game back in the 90s? That video game was awesome. I own it. It's super fun. Remember the giant turkeys? Punisher and Nick Fury are running around shooting everybody, and then a giant turkey shows up. You eat that turkey, it takes your life all the way to the top. You take, you eat that pill. There's, there's pills, too, in that game. You, you run your character over top of that pill, pick up that pill, eat that pill, boost your energy, just like a video game. Except it's not a goddamn video game, is it? This is real. This is reality. So they have a flu packet, which is four pages long. Uh, it's awful, as you would expect. Bring all your medical cards. And the... Oh, wow. This is horrible. This is horrible. Talk with your healthcare provider, because you may even experience Guillain-Barre syndrome. And that's from the flu shot, they're saying. Uh, as you might expect, in their... Pfizer and Moderna uh, fact sheets or consent forms, they leave out the word death. That's a word that gets left out. Rather convenient, I think, that they stay away from the word death. But they do list a variety of uh, health effects. And I just want to read through some of the ones that they, they actually list here. It says a couple of things here. First, there's a section, and it's evident that this has been scanned. Um, I'm, I'm sure by the individual who sent it to me, and again, thank you for sending this, but I know for a fact, too, that a lot of these are just being scanned and tossed to endless companies in school districts. It's almost as if they're not even bothering to read any of it. Because again, anyone who reads every single word of this, you would have to arrive at the logical conclusion that this does not belong in your body under any circumstance whatsoever. There's a section in it that says the following. What should you mention to your vac vaccination provider before you get any of these vaccines? Tell your vaccination provider about all of your medical con conditions, including if you, bullet points, here they come, have any allergies, have had myocarditis or pericarditis, have a fever, have a bleeding disorder, or are on a blood thinner, are immunocompromised, or are on medicine that affects your immune system, <laughs> the irony, it's palpable, are pregnant or plan to become pregnant, are breastfeeding, have received other COVID-19 vaccine, or have fainted in association with an injection. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that even if a person reads this, this particular section of this consent fact sheet, quote-unquote, I'm using the word fact loosely, but even if a person reads all these bullet points, and even if a person says this out loud to the person injecting them, 
you can guarantee that the person injecting them is going to look at them and say, well, that doesn't matter. It's just there just so that we know and don't worry about it. You'll be fine as they're rubbing their arm with the alcohol and don't worry, everything will be okay as they suck the juice into the syringe. Honest to God, they have to push forward with this because they're making too much money. I, the, the individual nurses themselves are getting kickbacks from all of this. Uh, let's see. It continues. Lots of reasons why you shouldn't take this. It continues. Uh, what are at risks of these vaccinations? It says difficulty breathing, swelling of your face and throat, a fast heartbeat, a bad rash all over your body, dizziness and weakness. You should seek medical attention right away if you have any of the following symptoms after receiving the vaccine. Chest pain, shortness of breath, feeling of having a fast breathing, fluttering, or pounding heart. Again, who reads this and goes, mm, yeah, I need five of these. Can't wait to get my fifth. Let alone one. Side effects that have been reported with these vaccines include, are you ready? There's just a couple. Severe allergic reactions, non-severe allergic reactions, such as rash, itching, hives, swelling of the face, myocarditis, pericarditis, injection pains uh, at the site of pain, uh, tiredness, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, fever, injection site swelling, injection site redness, nausea, feeling unwell. That seems rather broad. Uh, swollen lymph nodes. Decreased appetite, diarrhea, vomiting, arm pain, fainting in association with injection of the vaccine. These may not be all of the possible side effects of these vaccines. Serious and unexpected side effects may occur. The possible side effects of these vaccines are still being studied. Hello? If you experience a severe allergic reaction, call 911 or go to the nearest hospital. How are you supposed to go to the nearest hospital if you're grabbing your chest? How are you supposed to go to the nearest hospital if you're writhing on the floor, unable to breathe? Let alone dial 911. And they leave out the word death. And then, of course, later on in the document, here's all their explanations for that previous thing that I said that the nurse would probably tell you. What if I'm immunocompromised, it says. If you're immunocompromised, you may receive a third primary series dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine or Comirnaty. Individuals 12 years of age and older may receive a booster dose. They're not going to tell you to not take it. Only an ethical human being working within this system would tell you to not take it. Remember the story from Kim Carter? When she was a nurse and she walked out to an individual who was there requesting the shot, the individual was bent over their steering wheel, unable to breathe. She said, I'm not going to give you anything. You need to call an ambulance and I'll call one for you. It's a kill program. I'm sorry. It's just a kill program. That's what this was designed for. So these fact sheets are telling quote-unquote, fact sheets. They're very telling, and they're horrific. I'm going to end with this. Uh, again, a bit of a history lesson, and as I said at the beginning, there's a lot of video, again, bouncing around of different fights that have occurred. One was in a 
Uh, I believe it was a Texas middle school where an African-American teacher, and they're a female teacher, I should I should make mention of, but just to sort of paint the picture of, of this situational awareness stuff, th- this is st- stuff that I've brought up not only in my books, but it's stuff that I've brought up previously on this show. And it, again, has to do with the confiscating of cell phones and where you place yourself in relation to other students who may be hostile or this, that, or the other. It's, it's, it's clearly not common knowledge. It should be, but it's not that when you place yourself in closer proximity as, as an adult figure or a figure of authority, quote unquote, up against a hostile individual who's trying to get something back that you've taken from them, albeit by the rules and, you know, whatever else. You were using your phone in class, give me your phone and and whatever else. That if you place yourself physically closer to that person, that person is going to become more hostile. That's exactly what happened in that particular situation. You had this female teacher um, facing this student. The student was behind the teacher's desk trying to reach into the teacher's desk to get their cell phone out, and the student's back was up against a wall, literally up against a wall. So there was nowhere for the student or teacher to go, and the student was quite literally being pushed back sort of into a corner. The student was reaching for things and then was reaching for the teacher themselves, and then the female teacher takes both of her hands and shoves the student back up against the wall, and then the fight ensues. And the student, again, just beats the living tar out of the teacher and felony charges are being pressed in XYZ as they should. The teacher should know better though. And they don't. When it comes to the confiscating of a cell phone from a student, as I've said before, it's much like taking crack from a crackhead or heroin from a heroin addict. You're going to get a reaction that's not going to be pleasant. Because again, the brain has changed inside the individual who, who, who is dependent on the device. And again, if they're an uncivilized human being, uh, then that's just the way that it's going to be. They may have even said something in the video the teacher did, something like, you can come and get it after class, or you can come and get it at the end of the day, or something like that. I, I believe I heard that interaction. Maybe not, but either way. Um, you don't place yourself in a, in a close physical proximity to a student who is being violent. And again, if the student reaches into your desk and takes their cell phone back, so be it. You call administration. That's all. Let the student break your rules and then just let the student leave. You don't have to say anything to them in that situation. Just let them leave and then rely on the 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 weight, so to speak, of administration, explain to them what took place, get a resource officer involved, and let them handle it. They'll take the cell phone away from the kid. They'll put the kid in a room by himself. They may even suspend the kid for for weeks on end. Now, of course, the kid's going to juvenile detention and will be kicked out of the school permanently, hopefully. But that's, you know, that's, that's one situational example that's been bouncing around. There's another one that's bouncing around the old interwebs. Uh, and it, it, it's a, it's a, I would assume a middle school. They look like middle school age students. A black kid grabs a white kid in the bathroom, uh, and throws him headfirst into the tile wall. And instantly you can tell that the white kid who is on the ground now, after getting his head slammed directly straight into the wall is certainly experiencing trauma. 
whether it be a broken neck, an inability to breathe, broken collarbone, something along those lines. Uh, and it's being filmed from a third party, another student with a cell phone. Again, how new is this video? I'm not entirely sure, but um, all parties should be arrested. They should be charged to the fullest extent of the law. They should be expelled. And then the student who is injured, their family should sue for all medical bills. They should go right after the family for everything that they have for assaulting this kid. And then they should homeschool that, that student. Um, never send them back. Never send them back. Bathrooms in schools are like showers in prisons. Very similar. And you've heard me mention again the endless comparisons between prison and school. They're endless. I could, I could be here all day and into next week mentioning all of the comparisons. I've even highlighted many of them, in, again, in the previous books I've written. Same, same dynamics, same behavior, same things. But under no circumstance should that student ever return to that school or that school district or any brick-and-mortar school ever again. The kid is old enough to read. Hopefully he's not dead. Uh, he can teach himself. And who knows? It's not that he has to, he, he has to make his life about that traumatic event where he was attacked in a, in a bathroom, but he may even need a little bit of therapy. But sending him back to that environment to be some sort of a display of, uh, of overcoming adversity would be a colossal mistake. That would be a huge error in judgment. Never send him back to that school. Round up all the students who were in that bathroom and did nothing, and they should all be disciplined to the fullest extent of the law. It's attempted murder. It's a felonious assault and battery. And yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Ending with this, a history lesson here. This was tossed to me by a listener of the show, and actually my response to this was a little different than what I thought it was. And initially I thought that this was the um, explosion of a school by an individual who ran for school board a long, long time ago. This is actually one that I've never even heard of, which is interesting. So again, thank you for sending it my way. It had to do with an ex a gas leak explosion that occurred within the East Texas town of New London on March 18th of 1937. I thank him for sending it to me, and I'm just going to read a few paragraphs for, uh, from this. This comes from TexasMonthly.com back on March of 2017. And it's titled, Oh My God, It's Our Children. It says the following, On March 18, 1937, a combined junior high school in the small East, East Texas town of New London exploded without warning, killing half of the students and teachers. To commemorate the seventh anniversary of the tragic day, not, not sure why you'd want to commemorate that, but whatever, uh, survivors remember the horrific events and the heroic responses that changed their lives forever. I'm not going to go through all their responses, but I will just hit on some of the, the main points here and a little bit of background. It says, quote, 
It's considered the worst school disaster in U.S. history. On Thursday, March 18, 1937, at 3.17 in the afternoon, some 700 students and 40 teachers were inside the high school in New London, about 25 miles southeast of Tyler, when natural gas had been leaked into the classroom from the basement, ignited, leveling the structure with a force that could be felt for at least four miles in every direction. Poverty-stricken families who had flooded the area's oil fields during the Great Depression had been proud to send their children to one of the wealthiest rural school districts in the nation. Its taxable value in 1937 had grown to $20 million in additional revenue from 15 oil wells on district property contributed to top-notch facilities on a 21-acre campus that included an elementary building, a gymnasium, and even a lighted football field. But the crown jewel belonged to children in 5th through 11th grade, senior year at the time. The $300,000 two-story junior and senior high school, an E-shaped building, fully equipped with a chemistry lab, an auditorium with a balcony, and an industrial arts workshop. On that fateful day, 13 minutes before the final class was dismissed, a spark from some equipment in the workshop triggered an explosion that ripped through the building, killing approximately 300 students and teachers. Survivors wandered the grounds only to discover that they had lost classmates and relatives, and frantic parents were handed the horrific task of identifying the mangled remains of the dead. It says, while the investigators exonerated all parties of blame, stating that no one could have known that the odorless gas had been accumulating, some parents were furious to learn that the school had canceled its natural gas contract to tap into a free residue gas line, a widespread practice at the time. But when the faulty connection leaked, the results were lethal. The legislature's swift passage of a bill requiring the odorization of natural gas provided little comfort to grieving families in the town of 1,000 people, and few spoke about the grim incident until 1977, when a reunion broke the four-decade-long silence. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what cutting corners will get you. It, uh, it clearly didn't work out for them, which is a terrible, terrible thing. But I had no idea that, uh, that that even existed. In fact, that was the largest loss of life associated with, uh, with any school in American history, from what I can tell. And there you go. Not ending on an upper, but it's a history lesson, certainly, and uh, I, I didn't know anything about this. So again, thank you to the listener for sending it to me. Interesting stuff, to say the least. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.